from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by CoachesEdge.coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Before we get into our episode, I want to let you know that CoachesEdge.coach is live. Our membership serves coaches from around the country, even around the world. We just welcomed a new coach, our first international coach from Austria, the Salt Miners. Shout out to Coach Manu Langhammer uh, for being our first international Coaches Edge member. But we serve coaches around the United States through CoachesEdge.coach. We continue to update new resources onto that website, as well as offer game film review. Uh, personal consulting, phone calls, emails, Zoom calls, um, as well as being able to have at least two monthly meetings every single month that we have guest speakers for. We have presentations, we have roundtable discussions, we take coaches polls, and then we discuss them. And out of all the stuff that I do throughout the course of the year with Kramer Basketball and Coach's Edge, you know, this membership has become one of the most rewarding things that I do, getting the chance to meet such great people from around the world, from around the country, and try to help them uh, be better, do better. Uh, I continue to learn a ton uh, throughout this membership so that I can improve myself inside this Coach's Edge membership. It's an awesome community of like-minded coaches who are just hungry to improve themselves and the programs that they work with. So if that's you, if those fit the bill for you, coachesedge.coach to learn more, to register. And if you have questions, reach out, contact at kramerbasketball.com. Thanks for listening. Let's get to the show. I'd like to welcome Coach Ted Elbert, Indiana Tech University, to the Coach's Edge podcast. And Coach, thanks for taking the time. Uh, you're a well-known basketball program, uh, especially in the Midwest. Uh, NAIA, small college basketball, everybody knows the name, Indiana Tech. I've been following you for a while, especially on, on Twitter and uh, different players and kind of teams. Your your program's name comes often a lot. So, I mean, thanks for thanks for coming on the pod. This is going to be fun. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. We are digging into relationships. And as I reached out to you and, and I gave you a little questionnaire and we talked about, you know, just asking you, you know, some of the things that you really value as a coach and some of those experiences. And, and that was a big one that kind of stood out. And so I'm looking forward to digging into that first. But fun question first. What's your uh, player comp? What's your player comp? Current or former player? You had to describe your game to somebody. Who is it? Ooh. I mean, I, I would say for the younger generation, they'd probably have more of a difficult time relating to, to who my player comp would be simply because you don't see uh, six foot two foremen, tweeners that don't stretch the floor. Um, don't have great handles and more of a bully three on three Gus Macker style. Um, so, man, I think diff it'd be difficult to get one nowadays. Although I guess I'll say my college, how I played in college compared to how I play now is, is very different. Um, <laughs> I, I, I only stretch the full, the floor now. And I tell our guys all the time, I say, listen, you can't guard me, but I can't guard you worse. So, <laughs> That's one of those things where, you know, as a coach, you you want your guys obviously to 
um, be able to score more than whoever they're guarding. And now that I'm getting older, it's a little more difficult to keep that gap in check where I'm giving our team uh, an opportunity. But gosh, man, I, you know, I that'd be a tough one um, to pinpoint. Nowadays, I would say more of, especially when I play open gym with our guys, more of a facilitator, um, screener, you know, make an open shot here, you know, similar to a Draymond Green style, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. very, very uh, poor man's version of, of a Draymond Green style, though. Let's the, the cerebral, the yeah, cerebral let's, aspect. Let's make sure that we say that. I'm not saying that I'm Draymond Green. I'm saying that uh, <laughs> some very small, maybe finite flashes of a similar style gotcha very good very good uh so two-time national champion uh you were an assistant coach at, at cornerstone which is another really well-known program in, in the WAC and the mi and the naia um you know you guys play a tough schedule every year i mean and looking through i mean j just within your your conference schools like cornerstone schools like spring arbor uh, lords rochester i mean we, we could really name them all of high level basketball players. You were talking a little bit, but just the, the recruiting uh, and how challenging that can be because you guys are going after high level basketball players, right? Players that have the ability to, you know, take scholarships from other, other schools at different levels as well. Uh, but tell us real quickly about, you know, your story going from cornerstone, getting the head coaching job at Indian tech, and, and then we'll dig into some relationship aspects of team building. Yeah. Um, you know, I was very fortunate when, and and you know, as as a young high school player going into college, you just think basketball is going to last forever, um, and you don't know life without it anyway. So, um, when I was kind of in that transition from uh, finishing up my playing career and then kind of figuring out where I was going to go and and still be involved in the basketball world, um, you know, Coach Elders at at Cornerstone, who, um, you know help mentor me and, and our group growing up. Uh, we had some some valleys and certainly some peaks when when I played and uh, he presented me with an opportunity to to be the the JV coach at Cornerstone uh, while I finished up and um, as that year progressed and um, I think probably with uh, my schedule availability being in his office pretty much every single day 24/7, uh, um, just kind of that role just continued to grow a little bit and, you know, certainly divinely led where, um, you know, the Lord opened up a door for me that I had never seen coming. And, um, you know, I thought I was going to have to go through the high school ranks and, and, and start, um, you know, kind of at that level and see, you know, where it took me, whether I fell in love with that and stayed there or kind of progressed and, once coach presented me that uh, opportunity, um, you know, six years flew by and just fell in love with with the, um, the grind of it, fell in love with the details part of it, the recruiting, the, the, the player development side. Um, and thankfully had some some really um, gifted young men like uh, Kyle Steginga from the Holland area that, uh, you know, certainly was um kind of the that point where we were really ramping up that player development side um which is now a a baseline uh you 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 used to that's where you kind of separated yourself and certainly when I was growing up and playing that extra work is 
how you separated yourself. And nowadays that extra work is a requirement. I mean, it's, it's basically a starting point. So um, was there for six years and won a lot of games at a successful program and was um, kind of a, bef a beneficiary of that. And, you know, my wife and I moved down to Fort Wayne um, six, almost seven years ago now. And it's crazy to think that uh, it's been that long already. Time flies and you've had a You've had a lot of success, and Cornerstone is definitely a great place to to start. Coach Elders had a great thing going for uh, a very long time, for sure. A lot of a lot of remember a lot of great battles in college going against yes against yep. Cornerstone. Um, Coach, when you think of relationships, right? You think relationships first and foremost. You know what comes to mind, and why is that so vital to you and your program? Our you know our number one thing that we talk about uh, that foundational piece of of relationships is certainly trust. And when we recruit, we have a, you know, kind of an approach. There's, there's two different sides of that trust. There's a trust that you build while you're recruiting a young man. And then there's a whole different side of trust that you build when you're in between the lines together. Um, and, and then you as a former player, you can certainly attest to that. Um, when you're going through some of those adversities throughout practice and in games, you know, you're building a relationship that, um, you certainly can't, you know, build during the recruiting process, but I think that that's a pretty good indicator um, how those relationships feel at the very beginning. And as you're uh, progressing through the the, um, the recruiting timeline, you can kind of get a feel for which young men, you know, are are um, going to buy in and see the bigger picture, regardless of um you know, what that stat sheet might say, good or bad. And that's where that trust piece is. Um, it takes time. We tell our guys all the time, it takes time. And that's the the foundation for us. And everything else, I think, is just stemming from that, um, uh, just continuing to grow. You can't rush relationships, that's, that's for sure. Uh, you talked about starting off – as a recruit and building that relationship that continues to flow through the course of a, a player's career. How do you go about developing some of those relationships from a, a team standpoint, from players being able to come from different schools where chances are they're the best player on their team. They've been able to play the most minutes, take the most shots. And now we got to develop a, a relationship amongst them for the betterment of the group. You know, it, it's funny you say that because the further I get out from my playing career, the more I, I try to relate back to, you know, how you and I felt when we were growing up in high school and, and what that recruiting process felt like to us and how certain scenarios or certain, um, you know, maybe evaluations were presented to us. And our number one thing, first and foremost, in that process is to to be honest. And there are coaches that do things uh, differently. And our, I think that we've had the most success when we're very upfront and honest from the from the beginning. And you find those different types of personalities that, you know, they especially with social media, they they build their identity on how many likes and you know, how many views and when they get here, I mean, you're, you said it, they were all the studs. I mean, every single one of them are coming from the exact same situation. Um, 
And so figuring out how to put that puzzle together, who's going to buy into which role. And then, you know, this too, especially nowadays with, with what you do and, and a lot of the really good basketball trainers out there, the offensive side translates a lot quicker than the opposite side. And so we always try to tell them, you know, that's, that's certainly the, the focus, but you know, when you, uh, when you kind of look back at they're used to impacting a game from a points assist rebound category, how do you tell them that it may not look like that and that's where they want to go? And so that's where that trust piece comes in initially because they have to trust that uh, we do have a plan for them regardless of maybe what the initial um, conversations would be. And that's where that developmental piece comes into. And, and trust is, we tell them all the time, trust isn't a business card. It's not uh, not something you can hand to each other. And even from a coach and player standpoint, certainly player to player, but that trust is built over time and going through uh, making mistakes and adversity and how we respond to some of those. And how do we respond to them as a group? Um, because a lot of um, young high school athletes, maybe one or two are going on to play college basketball. And so when they would go through adversity with that group, pretty obvious that a majority of them were the one that's, that everyone looked to. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to a, a position where that doesn't happen quite as often mm -hmm. um, early in their career. So how do they build that new identity um, in, in understanding that uh, our success is their success is the yeah. most important piece. So yeah. we don't care whose name is next to the stat line. You know, all of our names are ingrained in those two numbers that are next to each other on the scoreboard. Um, so buying into that's certainly the, the, the first initial step to that process. You know, it's, it's just really interesting for the college players. You know, we have, we have, we've had pro coaches, NBA coaches, college coaches, high school coaches, all on the podcast, basketball trainers, strength, you know, a variety, which is why I love doing this podcast so much. I get to learn from so many great people, but for the college coaches with, with the talent level of the players that they have, you're right. Those all those, you know, 15 guys on your team, however many it is, they're the ones that are trusted the most in high school, but maybe they have to trust others the least because everybody looks to them when the going gets, gets tough as you, as you just mentioned. So it's just that extra challenge, I think, compared to even being a younger player, but maybe a role player as a 16 year old on your high school team compared to being a, a 20 year old, 20 year old role player uh, for Indiana tech, because you've been the one that's been trusted so much. And now you got to learn to give that trust to, you know, maybe the, maybe the starting point guard and you're the backup or whatever that might be. It's a, it's a very different dynamic. That's a big challenge, but the high level teams, they're, they're able to do that. Are there, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Are, are there uh, like activities, I guess would be the best way, or is this something that's more so, just real like conversations and we have to go through it to build our players into more relationships and, and more trust amongst each other. No, I think that, I think it's a combination of a lot of those things. Um, you know, as far as that team bonding stuff, um, certainly we have 
you know, one-on-ones with all of our guys and not from a standpoint of, Hey, this is what you're good at. Only do this, this, and this more. So um, we, we definitely do everything not to put them in a box, but we also want them to be self-aware and, and what comes with that awareness is, you know, it's an insecure feeling from what you were just talking about where, they had the trust of everyone around them and the and the confidence of everyone around them. And everyone just knew that that's who they were going to lean on. And when you flip from that role to the one that is more so searching, it's uh, from a confident player, it's a, it's a humbling and, and certainly a, a vulnerable situation. But I mean, we all know how relationships work and, and that vulnerability is, is a step that you can't skip. And so making sure that certainly their their confidence remains there um, because you know as a player and in, in basketball in general it's a it's at a it's a confidence driven sport and you may have a guy that's not a shooter but if he makes two or three in a row guess what he's he's a shooter and so getting our guys to understand that that's where that value comes from and that that vulnerability is a good thing um, it's tough. And, and it's, uh, it's uncomfortable and certainly that uncomfort lasts, um, for short periods of times and goes away and comes back for maybe longer periods of time. But that's just part of that, that growth, um, that you can't skip. And, you know, as coaches, we, we hope that it lasts a shorter period of time than a longer one, but that's, uh, it's a story that's written by the group of guys that you have. Um, and when you look back, you can kind of see what that time period was rather than when you're going through it, especially as a coach, you feel like you're, you feel like you're always standing in the middle of that storm cloud. So, um, that's kind of what I think drives us and, and make sure that we stay focused on a lot of those little things. Man, that's good. I mean, how confidence ties in to everything, doesn't it? And, uh, you're right. If you don't have your confidence, you don't have anything, right. As far as you being able to go out and perform to the best of your abilities. Is that the, is that maybe the biggest challenge and how it even comes back to like, if I, if I don't have some security as far as what I'm capable of and how I believe in myself, it's going to be very difficult for me to then go and trust other people on my team. Right. Um, and to be even buy into, you know, the greater good of this upcoming basketball season for you guys. Is that maybe the biggest challenge or are there others? Oh, no doubt, no doubt that for us and 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 how we build um, our groups, that's that's the biggest challenge I would say is is our guys understanding that that is a two way street. You look at it from an internal perspective where you only think about how you trust other people and who you do and who you don't trust, and getting our guys to understand to step outside that and and maybe take it from a perspective of okay, well. Do my habits and my behaviors and, you know, my communication and verbal methods, it does that present uh, an open arms, um, you know, kind of facade or, you know, am I a little more closed off in, in understanding it's not just about you trusting others, it's about the others trusting you too. So making yourself, um, you know, really open and, you know, humbled. I mean, that's really what it is. It's everything that you do as a freshman freshman is humbling. And, 
there are days that our guys probably think that I treat them, you know, like LeBron James. And there are days where our guys probably think that I, you know, treat them like a, a middle school basketball player. And that's <laughs> part of um, that process that we go through together as a coach and a player, but understanding that, um, having that trust to kind of pick you back up is where that confidence eventually gets to a consistent level. You mentioned communication earlier. You mentioned habits. And I was uh, chatting. I was having lunch with Greg Mitchell, the basketball coach at Hope College. And I said, Coach, what what do you think over the past, you know, five, 10 years or so, he'd been coaching college. He was a longtime high school coach, you know, that that's changed among the recruits that you have coming in and uh, he's like communication. He's like, you know, when I, when I started, I felt like our guys, they, they just knew more or less how to communicate with one another. He's like, now it's not that they don't uh, know how to communicate. They just don't communicate. Right. But how are we going to build relationships? How are we going to build trust? Right. You mentioned communication earlier. Talk about that challenge and then how you go on about building that level of communication, because college coach, your staff, you know how to communicate, right? You're, you're doing it constantly, recruiting, scouting reports, practices, you name it. But what are some things that you focus on to get your guys to communicate to one another? Yeah, that's one of our non-negotiables. Um, and I think that, I mean, obviously, a majority of, of any coach at any level in basketball is going to tell you how important communication is on the floor. Um and that's the biggest stretch, I'd say, for our, our young guys and our new guys is, is um, the level of attention that we pay to that. Um, we Assumptions are bad, and everyone thinks that the people around them think the same way they do. So on a rotation, we got two guys running to the same rather than opening your mouth and making sure that, you know, um, you're going to – you know, make the appropriate rotation that that trickles to everything that we do on and off the floor. Um, and I think that those relationships also have to be uh, natural because if they don't communicate off the floor, the challenge of them communicating on the floor is going to be even more difficult. Um, and that hill is going to be even steeper. So how do we minimize that? How do we start to garner some of those natural um, kind of natural um, communication lines between them. Um, and certainly I think nowadays with the social media and the ability to communicate with technology and, um, I think it challenges us. I mean, I think that technology is, is great to a certain extent. Um, I can certainly tell you that my, uh, staff will attest to it, that they have to challenge me with technical, uh, advancements. And that's also where that communication comes into play. We ask our guys to adjust all the time. And at the same time, I have to make sure that I'm adjusting the same way, um, whether I want to or not, whether I believe in something or not. And communication plays a role in all of those, the trust, the accountability, um, you know, the overall relational side of it communication is is kind of the key to continuing to progress those is, is there a way that you try to speed that process up I guess, I guess what I'm asking here is 
are there any team building activities that you do off season, in season to really focus on communication and the importance of building relationships throughout the team? Yeah. And, you know, if, when you look back and think about some of those team um, building um, activities, you know, whether coach throws throws you in for a, a loop and you play wiffle ball or something during practice or, you know, you go bowling as a group. Um, we do uh, some of those things. You know, we do um, some community service events that I think really stretches our guys um, from a, a social standpoint. And my biggest one is them getting together as a group outside of basketball where they don't have to hear my voice because when we do a team building thing, you know, we go bowling, whatever, I'm still there. My staff is still there. And you know, when you revert back to a player that changes that dynamic a little bit. Um, and that's where my biggest, you know, highlight is when we're not practicing older guys, who are you inviting over? I remember, you know, thinking back to when I was a freshman, um, Coach Bronx at Ferris, he invited us freshmen over almost every night that they were getting together and, and watching a playoff baseball game when the Tigers were were still in the hunt and um, bringing us over for, for NBA games, whatever they were doing, they made sure that we felt like we could go over there, which is that first step understanding that they're they're making themselves vulnerable the young guys are going to kind of follow suit um so when it comes to those out of basketball kind of setup scenarios which is kind of what going bowling or going putt-putt golfing or any of that like we set that up so yeah there's some natural aspects to it um, but when they can come and go as they please and, you know, they feel like it's more of just a, a college basketball player get together. Those, I think, are where our guys really, truly mesh a little bit more. Um, and so we, we certainly um, we certainly help them understand that. But again, help having them do that on their own is is the most important factor um, for us and kind of speeding that process up because when we're between the lines they hear me the entire time um, say the same things over and over and over and that's where getting rid of some of those voices certainly mine um, certainly my assistance too is is where some of those uh, open conversations can be more natural there's a lot of wisdom in, in what Coach just, wrote, uh, just mentioned. I think to anybody listening, Coach painted a picture of coaches being able to create an environment that's natural, right? And, and you mentioned that a few few different times. It's organic. There's team-building activities we can do. Hey, guys, come on in. We're going to get in the circle. We're going to do this, you know, name, toss, catch game, and – Hey, nothing wrong with that. Kids will probably have a good time. They'll goof around and laugh. But as players, we can all buy in to whatever it is we're doing, whether it's in practice, classroom, whatever it is. And, and we're going to be able to fit what we need to do for five or 10 minutes. Right. But what you just broke down is creating different natural environments so that 
when you put your players in those groups, they can start to organically communicate, build relationships and trust with one another. That's going to carry over those friendships into what happens out on the court without you being, you know, in charge and saying, yes. Hey, so we're going to do blah, 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 blah. There's just a lot of wisdom in creating those environments for your players. I don't, I think it's, it's a mistake to assume all the time. You know, I love what coach uh, Brox is doing and continues to do at Ferris. And he shares some of his stuff on Twitter of like, you know, barbecue and stuff like that, that we'll see with, with the team where, um, He's you're not necessarily and I'm not there, but you're not like leading some activity. You're just welcoming everybody in yeah. to create normal, stronger relationships with one another. Uh, there's just a lot of wisdom in what you mentioned right there. I think that's that's fantastic. What are some of the challenges you've had from uh, a player standpoint as far as different personalities that coaches may have? And, and so what I what I'd ask you to do now is put yourself in another coach's shoes and say, boy, if you have a player who's like uh, really hot headed, right. Or, or very emotional, really high, really low. What are some things that you would recommend another coach do for, for a player like that to get them to come back to the group? I'll be honest with you. We have had. So, so when we, when we look at who we know, you know, as a coach, when you're recruiting and then what they're going to study and then what classes they're in, you kind of have an idea of guys when they get older, who are going to live together, who are going to gravitate towards each other, who are going to have easier, um, an easier time meshing some of those relationships, because, you know, you have very different, um, you know, players as far as a competitive standpoint, an emotional standpoint. Um, and a lot of things go into that, especially, you know, where they played, who they played for in high school, you know, so how do you get that all to mesh? And again, it goes back to more of that natural, um, um, kind of cohesion where, especially if one guy's maybe a little older than the other, you kind of say, if he's a natural captain or one of your leaders that has a voice, um, getting into practice to shoot together for 25, 30 minutes, knowing that, Hey, they're not going to get lunch. You know, like, you know, that these two guys, they just, it would be a very quiet lunch. So how do we get them in an element where they're going to be able to at least open that door? And we know like, and you know, too, like I, I loved all the guys that I played with and there was a handful that I would, hang out with a ton there was a handful that I would hang out with here and there and there were some that you know had a different group of friends that yeah. and and that's just how so how do you continue to to build that relationship when maybe you don't spend as much time with them and putting them in a uh, an environment where they're both comfortable is certainly what kind of hopefully uh, starts to build that. And, and again, if it were that easy, I know that everyone would just do something like that, but that's the simplicity of, of making sure that they're at least in a scenario where they're going to communicate and have something in common to talk about right when they first get there and not have to, you know, g generate those conversations in, and see where they, they go. You're already at a pinpoint where you can have something that's, that's common and, 
we started that probably three or four years ago. And even just relating back to last year's group, I mean, the guys that would come in and shoot together, you know, are, are very different individuals mm -hmm. and there becomes that mutual respect where guys like that, maybe when something gets heated on the floor are going to clash. And once you kind of build some of that bridge, you know, once you start putting some of those band-aids and stuff on it, that's where they learn to communicate in a high intense pressure situation where it's not going to blow the roof off mm -hmm. and things aren't going to just fall apart because you know that you're faced with those things all the time. So um, that's a standpoint of where we try to initiate. And, you know, then after that, I mean, I, we can't even take any credit for it. It's really just about the type of young man that we bring in um, and understand the culture and the, the support that they have around them just kind of cultivate some of that um, that success off the floor before you can even have it on the floor. So that's where we approach it from. Um, certainly that uh, opposite end of, of approach um, from a player standpoint, and you got to have a little bit of all of it. I mean, you can't have a, a, a roster generated of the exact same type of individual, whether it be from an emotional or a, a skill set standpoint, you've got to have that, that variety and and certainly have to have the the variable of of that higher ceiling do you have uh this, this is fantastic stuff do you have for each season some non-negotiables or some pillars that you break down and share to the team and say hey this is you know indiana tech men's basketball 23 24 season we do in Honestly, you know, basketball is very much a copycat sport. Um, so we we use a lot of of what I grew up with um, at Cornerstone, and then you know maybe a little bit of a personal touch from myself and some of our staff. Um, but a lot of those non negotiables you're going to find at pretty much all of the the successful. Um, programs at whatever sport they're playing, whatever level it is. Um, and I think that it kind of, even from the group that we had for three or four years, which was pretty consistent, each year in each group, I think is going to be a different formula and different buttons that you may have to push. Um, and so from a, you know, from a more of a characteristic of our culture, I would say, the easiest ones are just going to be those things that we've already kind of talked about from a communication, trust, uh, respect, um, and certainly uh, um, from a community standpoint too, on campus, all of those things. We touch on all of them, and, and then it's one of those things where you have to, Coach Saban said it, you know, I, I don't trust words. I rarely trust actions. I always trust patterns. And how we start day one is where you're starting to build that pattern. And that's something that as you continue to navigate, once we get three, four, five weeks in, what is your pattern? Um, it's got to be on the same um, path as, as what our expectations and our vision is as a group. Coach, this has, been, this has been awesome. I want to ask you a couple other questions that are a little off topic uh, regarding the topic of of relationships. But uh, again, I want to, before we 
finish and get to some of these final questions. I want to thank you for for taking the time. This has been absolutely been awesome. Uh, yeah, I just love being around and having a chance to interview people I consider high performers, right? Whether you're a high performer as a coach, whether you're a high performer in, as a teacher or business or whatever, I just think there's a lot that we can glean from communicating with people that do things at a high level. And you are one of those, one of those people. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. We were chatting before we hit record a little bit on recruiting and some of the challenges with the portal and the trickle down effect. And the majority of our listeners are high school coaches which means they're going to have some players that wind up uh, playing at the college level or at least wanting to. And I think it, to have a coach who could shed some light on some of the challenges, because a lot of times we hear about it at the division one level and it's on ESPN, but this affects every program at every level. Uh, can you just speak on that for a moment? I mean, that trickle down effect is real uh, from a, from a portal standpoint. Um, Especially because it's almost like we, we talk about um, in our kind of our recruiting meetings that uh, the portal is, is just like a water dam where that division one level is kind of the beginning is where the actual dam is and it controls how much water kind of gets through it while they really kind of control when most of those decisions are made because they're being selective in the portal. Um, and so kids are waiting, uh, parents are waiting. And then once that kind of starts to release, then we get a little bit more of, of who's gonna end up where and a little more clarity of, of what our approach is gonna be, but it takes a lot longer. Um, and, you know, as a coach that, you know, when I played, grew up in a, a, a program that was a majority of four year, foundational type players, um, an occasional transfer here and there. And that's how we started it when we first got here. And now um, the reality of it is um, to remain somewhat at that consistent high level, you have to do a little bit more of both. And that drop down um, transfer, division one, two, whatever it may be, the bounce back area, we're very you know, we're at the very end of that, which means we're into April, May. And at that point, that's a majority of those young men that don't end up anywhere. And I know I've seen all the percentages and how many actually, how many division one transfers actually found a home. And it's obviously a very low percentage, but I also do want to clarify that there are a lot of things that go into that transfer portal. I know everyone looks at it and they see, oh, so-and-so is a, a pampered student athlete. He wasn't getting his, so he's going where he thinks the grass is greener. And it is not all that. All that. There is a handful of, of you know, Division One coaches that are on the chopping block that, you know, it's real. And they're telling some of those young men that they're going to find somewhere else to play. Or maybe they, uh, their evaluation didn't quite pan out like they thought. And, you know, there's that portion. And then there's the portion that, you know, maybe going from low major to high major because their skill set is certainly developed enough to where they can do that, which is great. Um, but there are a lot of things that go into that percentage of transfer portal young men. It's not, they're not all just, 
bratty kids that think that they didn't get handed or pampered. Now there, don't get me wrong, there's a portion of each, but um, that too is a is a um, you know not a hindrance on our recruiting process, but it also makes us be a little bit more patient where our recruiting classes aren't wrapping up until March, April, which is really uncomfortable for a head coach. I can, I can tell you that personally. So. I'm sure about that. And it's, and then it's gotta be stressful for the high school athletes who are looking for an opportunity. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, whole nother big, huge group of athletes that want to play that are probably in this waiting game as well. And, you know, a a lot of them, even when they're at, you know, when they are at our level or being recruited at our level or the division three level, um, we want young men that want to be here because regardless of whether their skill set is lesser of the other uh, transfer or young man that we're waiting on, we also want guys that want to be here. And so when it comes to our process, we'll take a certain select view that we will take an early commitment from. Um, and then once that spot fills up, that means that some of our other offers to players at that position that are maybe waiting on that low major uh, offer um, because the potential for them to get it is real. I mean, I'm, I would probably say 80 to 85 percent of the student athletes that we recruit when we start their junior year. I mean, the majority of them end up getting a division one offer at some point, um, which is why we recruit them. Uh, That's, that's what, that's what our point is in in our recruiting process. But um, when it comes to that standpoint, you know, it takes a little bit longer and then kids that wait lose some of those opportunities because they didn't take them earlier and then they get to the tail end and they're standing there with a little bit less opportunity in their hands than, than what they had predicted or what they're being told by, by some individuals around them, whether they're right or wrong. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, that's the reality of the situation they're in. Mm-hmm. It's harder. It's harder for the high school kids than it was when, you know, you were playing or even when, when I was playing and, you know, I think, one of the take-homes might be for those high school kids getting recruited is, I mean, if you, if you got a school that wants you and you also like the idea of being there, you should probably take that because oh. <laughs> there's a lot of things that could, uh, can, can, can blow up that situation faster oh, than maybe sure. in the past. Well, and if, if you're, if you're a true competitor and that's what we recruit our, our guys that are natural competitors, Losing is off. It doesn't matter what level you're at. I mean, if, if uh, you know, we've all had buddies that get to say that they went and played at the division one level, but I can certainly tell you that we probably had a little bit more success when it came to winning um, and team achievements and what our overall story and reflection looks like, as opposed to five seconds of a conversation that you get to have for the next 40 years of your life, where you tell someone that you played division one, my stories are a lot longer. My stories are a lot more impactful as far as what our group accomplished together. Um, And they last a lot longer um, over time. And so understanding that that's important, that value is important to us. And that's a, a staple of how we recruit. And if we get that vibe that, uh, 
it's a you know more of a, a comparison as far as wanting this offer that offer I'm going to wait till here here that plays into to how we feel about that that process too no doubt about it it's a two-way it's a two-way street coach Albert dropping some dropping some nuggets drop, dropping some wisdom here <laughs> as we finish out the podcast and giving you some really good things to think about if you're a high school coach and you have a player on your team who is getting getting recruited by some small college schools I mean you you heard it from a coach right here on the podcast of, you know, how this is going from, you know, coaches end and some of all the different things that go into, you know, building a roster each and every year. It's not simple, right? It's complex and it continues to become more complex, uh, it seems like. And so some really good wisdom right there. Coach, I want to leave this, you know, final segment to you where, you know, you share any words of wisdom for any coach that's listening, you know, specifically the majority of our listeners being other high school coaches as they, you know, it's fall and they're going to start practicing a couple of weeks. Biggest thing, certainly um, at the, at the initial uh, starting point, um, avoid those frustrations Um Continue to to really focus and hone in on the vision that you had before some of those frustrations and stressors came into play. Um, that's that's probably the number one thing that my staff does for me is is help realign um, because it's easy to go off on all these little rabbit holes, especially at the start, because you see all the things that you have to fix, um, and just really maintaining that focus on on those little areas and details initially. Um, rather than spacing it all out and, you know, enjoy it, you know, enjoy it. These relationships last, you know, a lifetime and and I couldn't be more appreciative. I'm not naive enough to think that um, I'm sitting in this chair because of who I am or what I've done. I certainly am, am appreciative of the lessons that I've learned, the, the individuals that have mentored me along the way and, and players um, that I played with that are now uh, family and, and still talk to all of them, um, certainly regularly and um, understanding that the big picture is the most important thing. And it's easy to get lost in some of that. And um, nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And <laughs> that's, that's something that I tell myself every night when I'm going home and I'm going, <laughs> nothing is ever as bad as it seems. And that's, that's in, in life and certainly in, in the game of basketball yeah. that, that we are afforded the opportunity to play. So, yeah. Coach hitting a home run as we hey. uh, finish out the podcast right here. And so if, if you're local, go check out Indiana tech, watch them play. Mm -hmm. If you're not local, go to some small college games and just see the high level of basketball as it is coach hinted at it earlier. You know, one of the reasons they're regarded as one of the better programs in, in the nation is because they have really high level players, right? So if you look at division two teams win the national title, it's because they got division one players, right? You look at a, a, an NAIA team winning a national championship, it's because they have division one and two players on their team. They're really good. This is a high level of basketball. So if you can go see uh, Coach Elbert and his squad play, make sure you do that. If you're in other parts of the country listening, check out some small college basketball. It's high, high level stuff. And I always thought there's a lot of things that we can glean from the, the smaller college levels that are even better than the division one uh, because a lot of those teams don't always have maybe the size or the overall speed and athleticism 
And so they make up for it with a higher level many times of, of skill level and execution and shooting and things like that. So there's a ton of great takeaways there. Coach, this was awesome. Could keep chatting for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. To all the listeners, appreciate you. Get after today.